Hey, what's up, everybody? I am your host, Robbie Ounce, and thank you for tuning back into the Kane Cash Show. If today's your first episode, you're in for a treat. If you've been with us before, we appreciate you coming back. Either way, today's guest is knocking on MLB's door. But before we get into that, I'd like to ask you a favor. Help us grow the show. You can do that in many ways. First, by giving us a like. Smash the like button. Whether you are watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast host, smash that daggone like button. Two, drop us a comment. Let us know what you like about the show and even what you don't like. I'm okay with that. Three, help us grow our community by subscribing. This lets others know that this show that you're listening to is legit. Four, show us some love with a review. Put it in your own words how much you love us. Five, share it. Send this to your friends and enemies because everybody's missing baseball right about now. Today, we are talking with Connor Jones. Played a few years with the Canes. Was a very important piece to UVA winning the College World Series. He was recently named to the ACC's All-Decade team, much to his surprise. Now, he is a St. Louis Cardinals farmhand who's getting results at every stop along the way. What's the next stop for him? Well, hopefully it's Bush Stadium. Connor dishes on his baseball journey, his hobby of DJing, and his love for the Redskins and NBA's Philadelphia 76ers. He is everything you want your son to be except for that Redskins part. So it's time to suit up and try not to get thumbed by Connor's sink and run. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rob Younts and Jeff Petty here um, for another awesome episode of Canecast. Today we have another Canes alum, UVA alum, and pitcher in the uh, goodness, I can't even talk this morning. In the St. Louis Cardinals organization, Connor Jones, man, awesome to have you on. Would love to uh, to really dig in a little bit this morning. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about your baseball journey and kind of where you are now. What's up, guys? Happy to be here. Um, pleasure to to talk with you guys as always. Um, obviously, I, uh, I'm from Virginia Beach. I grew up there basically my whole life. Um, as you can see, maybe in the in the background right up there, I went to UVA. Um, went to high school here in Virginia Beach, went to UVA, and then I uh, was there for three years, was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals. And um, fast forward a couple years, and here we are. So Yeah, so growing up in the 757, that's, you know, I've, I've known you from those days, uh, being a 757 guy myself. So tell me how baseball was when you were growing up. Tell me a little bit about you as a player, um, and, you know, share everybody your, your journey through up through Great Bridge High School. Yeah, so, you know, growing up here in obviously the Virginia Beach area, um, little did I, my parents moved here and I was younger from New Jersey, and little did I know that we were moving to such a hotbed for baseball, um, where it was going to be super competitive even at a young age, um, you know, fortunately enough for me. So when I was growing up, baseball was obviously really competitive in the area. You know, I wasn't aware of that until probably I was a senior in high school. Um, by then it was a little bit too late to realize that, but uh you know, it was, it was awesome. Um, I was so focused my whole life and I kind of have always been that way that I just wanted to be the best player in this area. Like that's, that was my focus forever. I turned out my senior year, I was one of the better players in like the country. And I, I was just so focused on being the best player here in Virginia beach, possibly Virginia, 
that that was always my focus. And I think a lot of that had to do with just the, the other quality players that were in the area and in the state of Virginia as a whole that I wanted to be the best here and, and shooting for that goal kind of carried it to a bigger stage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it was great, you know, especially your senior year going out and seeing your, your outings um, because they were so packed, not, not just with, you know, fans and because you guys had a pretty good team, but uh, also uh, with, with a lot of scouts. I think really, though, they were there to see you swing the bat. Uh, do a little damage, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I know Coach Lee was super happy to have you in the lineup there. I think he was a little bit happier to, to hand you the ball on the hill. So, <laughs> so, so Jeff, tell us a little bit about Connor as a player. What you remember of him when he was uh, when he was in high school and he was a cane? Yeah, I mean his entire career for us was was really dominant. That would be the word. Um, I remember being in Fort Myers. I think he was in the ninth grade. And back then, that was a tournament for, I think it was maybe two age groups higher than the age group he was. And he was playing on a team that was a scout team, we used to call it back in those days. And uh, Coach Willoughby and Coach Coles were running that team. And they made the playoffs, and our top team got eliminated in the first round. They made a run, and they won the first two rounds. And then they gave Connor the ball in the third round, and he beat, like, a really good team that night. He was in the ninth grade. You remember that, Connor? In Fort Myers, little, I'm sure it all bit, runs together. A little that's bit. when it really – You're testing my memory bank too right now. I, I do a little bit. I remember playing for Coles and Willoughby and those guys. Yeah, that was, you were in the ninth grade, and you were just – it was a thrown-together team. It's not like it was a team that played every weekend together. Um, and that's when I remember first seeing Connor pitch, and he was in the ninth grade. And then the progression every year of velocity and strength – I think obviously this comes from his work ethic, but by the time he was with us, I mean, he was a slotted, he was going to the first round out of high school. I mean, that's where he was slotted to go. Um, I don't know that story in and out as far as, you know, your senior year and when you finally kind of put it out there, hey, I'm going to go to college or what have you. But yeah, when he was with us our senior year that fall, especially when we went to Jupiter and such, I mean, he had kind of solidified himself as a potential first round pick. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it, it was. It was really special. I mean, I think we we can touch on that while we're on it. I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's well, what we're I here think, for. I think uh, obviously freshman year was like a the freshman to sophomore year was a huge switch for me because my sophomore year is when I started working with Jamie. So freshman year was like totally natural me. Like I'd never really worked with anybody, never done anything like that. So that was me, like at my core. Um, but yeah, with I think I because I already alluded to it, and you were saying, you know you weren't sure about the whole high school thing. I, I, it's funny because people around here will approach me and be like, hey, man, I heard all these different stories. Like, I heard your parents are doctors, and that's why you wanted to, you know, you have valued your education. That's why you want to go to school. And I said, my parents are not doctors. I, I do value my education, but I did not go to college because of the education or anything like that. So I think, you know, because I already got into it, I was so focused and driven that I almost had blinders on. And even though, like, my junior, senior year playing with you guys and going to these national showcases and Under Armour All-American game, like, I still was so focused on, like, that was all just, like, extra. I was so focused on, like, being the best here that all of a sudden I opened my eyes and looked around a little bit. And it was my senior year, and scouts were like, hey, what's your, what's your number? What's your number? How much are you going to sign for? All this stuff. And I was like, 
by then it was almost too late, but I, I had never even considered that as a route. And I almost like caught me off guard, which probably sounds stupid because you guys probably saw how I was playing and all that stuff. But to me, I was just focused on getting better and like, and just improving myself, the kind of the small stuff that thankfully you probably should focus on. Um, but at the time I just, I was so focused on being the best player around here that I had never even, I never even thought that was a possibility. I just wanted to be the best that I could be. And all of a sudden it was my senior year and scouts were like, how much do you want to sign for? And I just, I literally never even considered that as a, like in the realm of possibility for me. And it almost just caught me off guard. And I just like, I wasn't going to make a rash decision. Like, and I, I wasn't as, I don't have any older brothers or anything. So I wasn't as informed on pro ball. And obviously I was like, I was communicating more with like the UVA coaches and stuff. Cause I was already committed. So I kind of had like a, like a one way information stream, you know, no, no foul on their part. They want me to go to college. So, um, yeah, I just, that was, that's basically it. That's awesome. I mean, you know, because a lot of kids nowadays, that's all they're worried about is draft, 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 draft. And you were just worried on your development and just being the best you could be. And it, and it kind of catapulted you to that spot. You know, you talk, you, you talked about Jamie Evans he had a huge, and still does. I mean, right? I mean, y'all yeah. still are in contact. I mean, you guys. I mean, he had a huge impact on you. You want to talk about that? I mean, he's a old school Canes guy, and um, yeah, really kind of, impacted kind of, a lot of guys. Kind of a crazy story. He, Jamie, and I still talk weekly at least. Um, he's kind of like a, a true mentor for me now. Um, I was going into my sophomore year in high school. It was just after my freshman year, and we were just kind of seeking some like some better pitching coaching, like just something out of the ordinary than like your high school coach. And um, we came across a national pitching association clinic and it was up in Salisbury, Maryland, where he's from. And um, turns out it was me and like a, I was probably like 13 or 14 at the time. And it was me and like a, a 10 year old. And so it was a three or four day thing. And so, I was wearing my Canes shirt back, I think when we were green and orange, like right when we started. And Jamie was like, you play for the Canes? And I was like, yeah, like I, you know, I just started. And so, you know, there's only so much you can do with a 10 year old, no offense to him. And so it was almost like one-on-one -on -one for three or four days and we made some drastic changes and I saw like humongous improvements. I think my velocity went up three or four miles an hour just from that weekend with him, just from changing my terrible mechanics that I had pitching for you guys before, just not doing, not knowing anything like that. So you guys had the bad version of me and then I came back it was so much better. And um, so that kind of started our relationship and it was just a, a chance thing that we met up. And um, I was one of the first kids to ever, he calls me one of the guinea pigs for his velocity program. And uh, it paid huge dividends for me. I think I, from what people had told me, I was like 82, 83 as a freshman. And then my sophomore year, I was 88, 89 after like hardcore doing his, his velocity program. And um, I've done his stuff ever since. You know, it's funny because I remember, you know, speaking to that, I remember you coming back, I think maybe after your first year of pro ball or something like that, you wanted to get, uh, you wanted to get tested. So you sent me a text and we went out to, I think, Kellum High School or something like that. And it was cold. Like it was, it was like January, I think it was. And 35 degrees out, you're out there in shorts and a hoodie. And I see you going through your warm up. And I've seen guys do the, you know, Jamie's, Jamie's program before. But watching you, how hard you worked at it, and, and the sweat that you build up just doing the, the actual warm-up, 
was, I remember that. I mean, it, it was it was another level. Like, I mean, I, I think I remember saying to you, whoa, you know, this, this is how guys should be doing this. Um, you know, I know, and I know Jamie talks about that all the time, but the one thing that I'm most, I guess one of my biggest memories of you were how hard that you worked and, and the effort that you put in and everything you did was at 100%. It wasn't like, oh man, I'm just not feeling it today. I mean, you know, I think that winter we, we tested once or twice and, and every time you're out there, you know, really working hard. Where does that come from? Where, you know, I, I, I have an idea where it comes from, but, but share with everybody, you know, where, where does that, where do you get that from? There's a couple of different things. And I think the thing with the heavy balls is first and foremost, you get out what you put in. So if you just want to throw the balls 50%, you're not going to see any results. Like you have to practice throwing hard if you want to throw harder. I think that is like most important right off the bat. I think as far as myself, um, I'm lucky enough where, you know, um, I've got some pretty good, like, um, I'm not even going to say athletic genes in my family, but my, like, my grandfather played college baseball, and then my aunt, um, she played women's basketball at Tennessee for Pat Summit, and she was the, she was the number one player in the country, National Gatorade Player of the Year out of New Jersey. Um, so she was an elite, elite women's college basketball player. And um, they just they just instilled in me at a young age. Like my grandfather always used to tell me, no one ever got better sitting on the couch. From the time I was a little kid, and um, I always took that to heart. I really did. And um, they just and even my parents, like my parents aren't athletes, but they just said like you know they believed in me and they just said if you want to get better, you need to work at it. Like it's not gonna it doesn't like you have God given talent, but it's not just gonna happen. You're not just gonna magically get better. Like it's up to you and. For some reason, that that stuff always stuck with me, and I'm thankful for it. That's awesome. That's that's really great, and and it, it's it. I, I really appreciate you know, especially from a little bit of a distance, the the drive and the work ethic. I mean, that was something, you know, watching you, but also watching how you went about your business. You know, you I, in your career with the Canes, I kind of saw your process change a little bit pre. You know, pre-game, I saw, you know, there was a little bit more focus. You know, how has that changed now that you're in pro ball? I mean, I know your role's changed a little bit more, and, and we'll get into pro ball a little bit more, but how, how, over the years, how has that developed? How has that approach um, to pitching changed? I think for the most part, kind of your focus and stuff like that kind of stays – it stays kind of the same. There's small tweaks and stuff like that. Now, when it comes to, like, the baseball stuff, there might be some – you know, tweaks here and there, year to year, just coming from different, something you might pick up in the off season or, you know, just you, I think if you're not changing a little bit every year, like if you're just, if you're not seeking to get better, like you, you can't rewrite everything every year. That's too much. But I think if right. you're, as long as you're striving to get better, there's gotta be little changes here and there. Um, so I think that stuff changes a little bit. Like, you know, the heavy belt program I did way long ago with Jamie is nowhere near the same what it is now. Like that stuff has changed. But I think, you know, the focus and preparation level and stuff, I think that stuff, you know, the intensity still is, is, pretty, is pretty much the same. Gotcha. Guys, gotcha. let me say this, man. Youth kids, high school kids that are listening to this, and we've, we've, we've been doing a lot of these. Uh, we've had a lot of guys on the last few days. Caring a lot, desire, work ethic is a pretty – tried and true formula for success. Like, dude, you just care a ton about what you do. Like, 
Connor was the DJ at my wedding. He did a bang up job because he cares. Like you don't do anything that you don't care about. I mean, like what you care highly about the things that you're involved in. Like, I mean, you just do, you're a good friend, good son. I mean, if you asked your girlfriend, if you're a good boyfriend, she's probably gonna say, yeah, right. Like you just, <laughs> you just, you invest in the things that you do. Guys, you, you people watching, I mean, this guy's been highly successful at everything he does. And it's, I think it's a simple formula, works his tail off, cares a lot and his desire is just there, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. I think that's something that I don't necessarily talk about enough or doesn't get talked about enough. And I think it's true is like, I really do care a lot about what I do. Like I'm, I'd say I'm a passionate individual. You are. Um, like I'll be like my parents or my girlfriend or something will think I'm yelling about something. I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm just passionate about it. Like I'm, I I'm promise you I'm way. not yelling. I'm just, I care a lot and it means a lot to me and, and that's it. And then you combine that with some of the work ethic stuff and like, like, I'm not, I'm not a good faker. So like, if I don't care about it, like I'm not in on it. Like I'm, I'm really not about it. But when I do, I'm also not a good faker. Like I'm in on it. So right. I just care about stuff, man. Me and you share those, a lot of those same, because that time that we did have together that year and a half or so, we, we were really close. Yeah. Cause you wanted to win as bad as I did. And you would get mad if things weren't going, and you didn't have to be pitching that day. I mean, you were, you had a pitch and chart. I mean, you're into it. Like you were invested in what we were doing when you were mm -hmm. 17 years old. I remember in Jupiter, uh, you know, our last game, we decided in the semifinal, we decided to hold you for the final. Ended up being a, a bad decision on our part. And we bring you in and in a one run game, we, we give up a solo shot in the first inning. We bring you in and you throw six and a third shutout and we lose one to nothing. You remember that? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I remember earlier in the tournament, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you were really upset. And you know, you're 17 years old, but again, it goes back to basic principles of who you are. You're invested. You care about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's and it's interesting you say that because you know my uh, my wife got a chance to meet you, Connor, at, at Jeff's wedding, um, and even to this day, when I pull up something on social media. She always comments on how great of a person you are and comments how good of a DJ you are. And she makes the comment that if he's had, and she always says this, if he's half as good of a baseball player as he is a DJ, we're going to see him in the big league soon. So that's always pretty <laughs> well, <I> cool. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but the, the great thing was, is that was maybe like a, a five minute conversation and you had that impact on her. She could see, you know, very easily and very clearly you know, the things that Jeff mentioned, your passion, your, your heart, you know, those things were very, very evident just in a five minute conversation. So, you know, it, wow. it, it, it's, it's a great compliment to you to, uh, to, to know that that's how people perceive you. That's how people see you. Um, well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, man, no problem. So, so you carry that heart, that talent, all of that. And uh, as LeBron said, carrying your talents to, uh, to Charlottesville instead of so. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but you take, you take those to uh, to Charlottesville. How would how are your how was your time there, man? How how'd you enjoy playing up there? Charlottesville doesn't have the quite the same ring as South Beach does. I don't think. You <laughs> <laughs> won, won a first national championship, yeah, right? Yeah, for no, for the for the whole scheme of things, it has a great ring to it. But as far as the uh, yeah, it's not, not as, tongue, it's not doesn't the, have the appeal. Yeah, no, 
Gotcha. Um, no, so obviously, I mean, we were wildly successful there as a program when I was there. And I think, um, I think, and it's funny, and it, it, it's almost like I take it for granted because I was there for all of it. And like, that's just what it was. We were successful. There's no, like, we didn't really know any other way. But when I talk to people from other programs, like like pro teammates that went to Vanderbilt or other schools or, or schools that weren't as successful, they're like, man, you guys, like, you guys want everything, like, you know they're just in awe of like of how good we were and they like when when they talk about when I talk about winning the national championship and this is not to say that I'm not proud of it but like we did it I went there twice we won it once like I'm not gonna say it was like a custom for me but the other guys are like he won a national championship like they they like it's like a it's like a they can't even imagine it and so it's it's when you think about that way like it's it's pretty cool what we did when when you really think about it yeah, absolutely. And, and you think, you know, look, my recollection of it is you guys never lost. I mean, during your time there, I didn't, I can't remember you guys losing. And that was just the, you know, just the perception there. Um, so how'd you like playing? How'd you like playing for Coach O'Connor and, and, and the whole program in general? I mean, I know you got a lot of friends, you know, you guys keep in touch. I know you and Alec are down here doing lessons and stuff like that. Tell me, tell me about, uh, tell me about the Coach O'Connor there. Uh, it was awesome. I mean, obviously, your your college friends are some of, at least for me, are some of my closest friends um, still to this day. Um, that's awesome. I think Coach O'Connor, it's crazy now to see what that program is because I was up in this offseason and the renovation of the stadium is unbel it's unbelievable Incredible. i mean yeah. i'm like i'm almost jealous like man like like <laughs> this came right after we left and i understand you had something that, to do with that though yeah i understand yeah. we were we were part of like laying the, the groundwork for uh for that renovation because there were a lot of guys that laid the groundwork for the program before we got there um but no i think coach o'connor was great i mean he um i thought i had a really good balance of you know letting us do what we need to do while still having a pulse on the program. Um, I think that that's a, that's a hard balance to find, and I thought he did a really good job of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wish I could go back and, and like, use all the things I have there now because it is so nice, not only aesthetically, but <laughs> below, the, below the groundwork and stuff, it's super nice to use. So those players are lucky. Speaking to, um, since we're on this topic, you know, the College World Series, the success, University of Virginia, Coach O'Connor. Um, I don't know if I – we had a lot of guys, and I take pride in baseball in the state of Virginia. And everybody on this podcast right now does, right? We're all – we all live here. I mean, y'all got it done. A lot of these guys played for the Canes, yeah. Some, some didn't. But like, let's, start let's start naming these names off that were huge contributors. They're Virginia guys. Nathan Kirby, Josh Spores, Alec Bettinger, Connor Jones. Um, who was your shortstop, the kid from Virginia Beach? Um, no, he, Chris he Taylor. Before he then? Before. Yeah, Chris before. Taylor was before us, yeah. Chris Taylor's before. There Chris were nine Taylor's guys. Before. You had um, so many lefty. good players, though. My point is just so many good players highlighted from our state. Yeah. And then won the national championship. I mean, how many how many kids were from the state of Virginia on that roster? I mean, a decent amount, right? A fair amount, yeah. I, Rob might know the numbers, but a, a fair amount. More than half? Yeah, you had Derek Casey, uh, Bettinger. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, Virginia Virginia can recruit the really 
anywhere now, I mean, and, and, and has had success recruiting all over the country. But we want a national – I say we. I mean, from the state of Virginia. Yeah. Virginia. No, I mean, that's how I felt in my living room. I mean, that's how I felt Brian O'Connor, Brian O'Connor, if my son ever is that level and he's still coaching then, you know, whatever, I would love to send my son down the road and play for that guy. I mean, he just seems like the kind of guy I would want to play for. And I think a lot of people in the state of Virginia have this sense of accomplishment when you guys won that national championship it kind of solidified baseball in our state. And people think, you know, Texas, Georgia, Florida, California. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of pride on this side. I think I speak for Yancey, too. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, University of Virginia won the national title. And like you said, you were there twice. Um, really cool. Really cool. Yeah. So, so, Connor, what did you learn from one College World Series to the other? I mean – you know, I know, and I see the Redskins jersey in the back. I know you're a big fan. And, you know, in football, they talk about, you know, you got to learn how to win. You, you know, you make it to the playoffs, maybe you win a game, and, and it sets you up for the next year. I know, I know the Redskins haven't been there in a while. Um, okay. And, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a Redskins <laughs> fan. But, but how, what did it teach you? Well, you know, you go to the, to the World Series, you play in the Championship Series, and, you know, you don't, don't come out a, a, a winner there. Um, but what did you learn through that process? Wow. Um, I think, well, obviously, I think, uh, and I remember, obviously, I pitched in game one of the second time we went my sophomore year. I threw in game one of the national championship against Carson Fulmer. Um, and we went toe-to-toe for four or five, and he was just nothing short of a monster. And he ended up, yeah, he went an inning. He, he outlasted me that game. Um, but I think, and my agent told me afterwards, he said, you won't pitch in a stadium like that in a in front of a crowd like that until you're in the big leagues, and I think like that's that, I've always remembered that, and it's just like we and I've got some pictures and stuff, but like we threw we played on a really really big stage, and um, you just don't like there are some big stages in college college baseball and more so important stages than playing in front of a lot of people. Like there's some meaningful you know pressure pack situations to play in front of, but. Playing in front of 25,000 and stuff like that was a different level of energy, and that was pretty cool. And so that's something I can always hold on to. But, um, I mean, um, as far as the national championship, like, there were times in high school where I felt like, you know, in my freshman year when we got eliminated in, uh, in the state playoffs or in, in the regionals, and, like, that that hurt me a lot. And I was like, man, like, we got to get back here. And, and the next year we won the state title in high school. And then my freshman year when we lost – in front of everybody on the grandest of stages and like when the confetti's coming down for the other team it's just like that really eats at you on the inside like that it sucks like there's just there's no other way to put it it really sucks and so remembering that and then sure enough getting out again the next year to be there again and against the same opponent it's just like you know it's just like work hard like you just take don't take those things for granted because you never they're hard and they're extremely difficult to get to but also you know you know you never if you work hard you never know what could happen and try to you got to try to do everything you can to put yourself back in that position that's the way I look at it right yeah and it served you well because you got a national championship and you know you cemented your place in history and uh, I think there was something that just came out about you making an all-decade team or something like that it, uh, for the ACC. How, how was that? I mean, I, I could tell by your reaction on social media how much it really meant to you because, uh, you know, 
you're a humble kid. You, I know you're a hard worker, but you know, what was, what, what was going through your mind when you saw that? Well, first I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> I didn't know, you know, first team all ACC, like everyone knows about that stuff exists, but I was like an all decade team. Like, I mean, I guess they don't do that award very often every once every decade. So I didn't know about that. Um, so I was just kind of just surprised and almost baffled at first, but um, no, I mean, obviously I take pride in what I do and where I played and all that stuff, but looking at some of the names that are on that list of guys I played against or knew of, um, super cool. And being on there with Coach O'Connor and Danny Holton, who was, Danny was someone I looked up to a lot. I mean, that's kind of who they were when I was getting recruited. That's kind of who they were pointing towards, like, you know, look what he's doing, look at all this stuff. And so he was somebody I looked up to and I've got the pleasure to know him now, but him and uh, then Josh Spores, you know, obviously his run through Omaha was was just ridiculous with the numbers he put up. Um, so that was to be alongside those guys and kind of you know have another thing you know to you know that that'll be there forever. That's that's pretty cool. And just you know in general being recognized for the time and work that you put in, like that you know that feels good. Yeah, it was it was neat to see a reaction because you know. And I'm sure it had gone through, um, you know, your initial reaction, which we didn't see on social media, was probably even even greater. But it was neat to see, like, you you were – I could tell you were baffled. You're like, wow, that's really cool, but I didn't expect it. So, yeah, it's, it's great because, you know, you, you had a phenomenal career, um, but you're also very humble and, and very grounded. Uh, I want to say kid, but you're not a kid. Um, very humble man. I mean, you're, you're just – you don't expect those things. You work hard for them and probably expect them internal, but you're not really as concerned with everybody's opinion and everybody's, you know, perception of you. Um, so you make it into pro ball. How, how was the, how was it navigating the draft the second time? I know high school, you, you, you may not have been as prepared as you'd like to be, but, you know, going through it the next time you had to know that there were some, uh, you know, some hype around you and some, some real attention that you were getting. How, how was that process? um stressful because <laughs> it was for real that time not that my freshman year wasn't for real but I mean my senior year of high school but um it was stressful um and I said from the get-go that I'd rather go before the draft before anything I said I'd rather go to a team that's a better fit and go really early to a team that I didn't think would be a good fit and when I got taken by the Cardinals it was like the one thing you knew about them was like player development promoting pitchers like all that kind of stuff. So I was super happy with it. Obviously, they have a, they had a really good reputation of a, a program that develops pitchers. Um, so I didn't, like, that's something I'd always strive for and work towards. It's never something I expected, but the fact that it was finally there was really cool, and I didn't know what, I didn't know what was ahead. So just kind of charging forward, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, you've, you've really kind of moved through the ranks there. You're currently, uh, I know we're in a shutdown right now, but last year you finished up in AAA, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been uh, between AA and AAA the past two years. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, tell us a little bit, I, I know you had a little bit of a foundation there that you were helping some local. I know you helped out Booker T. Washington with some things. Tell me a little bit about that because that almost slipped through the cracks. I just I just remembered that uh, right now. Tell me, Tell me what you're doing around that. Yeah, so I partnered up with one of my high school teammates. He, um, we had a friend who played baseball at JMU that passed away. And um, my friend Luke Submiller, who played at the JMU, he started a, they started a nonprofit in, uh, in his name. 
Theodore Madison Foundation. And um, it's just to promote sports and stuff like that for youth and promote activity and all that. So we partnered up with them and we actually, uh, we raised, we helped them raise enough money to rebuild the field in Booker T. Washington. They, they didn't, their field wasn't playable by Virginia State regulation. So it's a field right in downtown Norfolk, right on like a main road. And the thing was like, if, if people can play on that field in downtown Norfolk and where people are, there's a lot of traffic, there's a lot of eye traffic seeing the field. If people are playing in that field, kids are more enticed to play. But if that's just a weed, uh, like a field that's covered in weeds and it's not playable, you know, people just look at it. It's almost like an eyesore. So we raise enough money to get them a, a new a regulation backstop, a fence that works in the outfield. And so that field is playable now. And that's something that's really cool. And that's, that's an area where that could impact a lot of lives. So we're pretty proud of that. And a lot of thanks to Luke and the Theodore Madison Foundation because they did a lot of the work behind the scenes on that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that's, you know, that's not even, just so people understand, that is not Connor's um, high school. He has no connection to it whatsoever. He's just doing something to make our community better. You know, we see that here locally, and I don't think a lot of people see that outside of this organization because he's not a big self-promoter, except when it comes to DJing, um, which we'll get into in a few. But, you know, he did this solely out of the goodness of his heart and because he could make an impact. Um, this was something that was floating around some of the mes uh, Facebook groups of needing help. And, you know, the high school coach there uh, uh, reached out and was asking for help. And Connor and, and Luke stepped up, which was pretty cool. Um, so, Connor, tell, tell us about how, you know, all right, so you get through the draft, you get assigned to, to your rookie ball team. You know, how, are, were there any things that you could draw on from your time with the Canes that might have helped you, you know, through your pro career? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say the fact that I think the Canes is a unique situation. Obviously, we're not like, I don't know how the scene is now, but a lot of travel teams, I feel like we're local and practice and stuff like that. And obviously the Canes, you don't really at the higher levels of the upper ages and upper like talent levels, you don't practice a whole lot. You you're just kind of meeting your teammates for the first time, even if you know them before, like you're not seeing them all the time. So I think that's really similar to pro ball. I mean, a lot of these kids I've never met before, they playing with kids from LSU and Venezuela and Southern California and all over. So, I mean, it's kind of a similar dynamic to the Canes where you just kind of get thrown in together. And then, so I think at least socially, like just trying to be a good teammate and, at least be a little bit open with your teammates to have like a, a little bit of a communication, like a friendship or something, just being able to feel comfortable around your teammates, I think is important. And I think if, if you can do that with the Canes and kind of get used to that, cause it's, it's really similar. So I think, you know, that can give you a little bit of an edge just from that standpoint and playing for a lot of different coaches. And it's, it's, it's a similar organization build. Like, like coach Petty is like the GM of, of a big league organ. So even though you might play for all these different coaches, they all kind of know about you behind the scenes. Like you guys are sharing reports and stuff like that. So it's pretty similar. It's just, you're just younger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Jeff, that's pretty much how you designed it from the beginning, right? You know, bring all these guys together and get them, you know, together as a unit, you know, talk a little bit, Jeff, about how the Canes have changed. I mean, bring Connor up to speed on some of the stuff you're doing now. Yeah, no, I mean, when you were coming through, as you just said, I mean, we really weren't a lot of practices, if any. Um, I think after your class, that's when we really started amping that that side of it up. 
where we brought a strength and conditioning coach in and we made it mandatory that everybody stayed at the same hotel and we had the bus all the time. We actually bought a bus and we go yeah, off, right. we go off site um, every game. So if we have a game at two o'clock, let's say at a high school in Georgia or wherever, we're in North Carolina, Florida, what have you, we'll go get a field that we'll rent off site and we'll bus there. We'll take an on-field batting practice. Uh, guys get tons of ground balls. That's every day. And then we do a proper stretch and then our pitchers are on a schedule. So our strength coach will get with our pitching coach and say, okay, this guy threw yesterday or this guy slotted to come out of the pen today or what have you. Everybody's on a schedule. So if we've got 15 arms there, everybody's doing something. Um, so when you were coming through, that wasn't happening. And we kind of take a look in the mirror and say, hey, you know, we've got all these great players coming through. Are we really servicing them at the highest levels? And the answer to that was definitely no back then. I don't think it was any fault of our own. No. Just, I mean, I certainly uh, never felt that way. <laughs> well, I know, but I, I, I hate it, you know, because um, it would have been kind of cool to have the infrastructure that we have now back then but it's it's no different than you going back to UVA and saying wow I wish I played yeah. in this cathedral now if you came back like let's say you come visit us let's say in the fall and you're like what in the world is this like this is not what I played under these circumstances and I think you'd be I think you probably have a sense of being a little proud because you helped build that absolutely Absolutely. I remember seeing it when I saw the bus on Instagram. I was like, what? Well, <laughs> people talk about the bus. The bus was bought to give our players development. As crazy as that sounds, like, because I can't rely on 20 parents getting these kids from the airport. And the parents have to work. Yeah. You know, so if I'm recruiting you to come play for me, like, well, I, my parents can't come. Well, that's solved now. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. They can just put you on a plane and get you to where we are. You're good. You're going to be fed and you're going to, we're going to get to the field early and we're going to take care of your body. Our strength coach is excellent, especially with pitchers. Uh, and our pitching coach is, is re we're really fortunate there. And it's, I'm proud of where it is now because I can really honestly say, I mean, by no means when we get the kids in the room, like you said, the social aspect, they got to be good teammates. We're not developing these guys who they are when they're in the room they're already good right I mean yeah. good players but there is a sense of small portion of development yeah you help guide them in the right yeah. direction and give them the right direction. yeah we're not letting them go we're not letting them go backwards or just stay like maybe we are tilting yeah. the hand a little bit to where you're headed so that, that was something that was really important to me that we're doing now well, and I'm, and I'm sure I speak for Jeff, uh, Connor. Anytime you want to ride on that bus, I'm sure you're you're welcome there. I mean, yeah, we. I'd love for you to come back and and, and I'm sure you will one day. You know, come back and and help some of these guys. You I'm not sure. I'm not sure the bus rides what kind of, what's is what's going to entice me. I've ridden on the paint job is sick, <laughs> but I've ridden on far too many buses in my time. But I I would most definitely like to come back. It'd be awesome. <laughs> So yeah, you, so you, that's a great that's a great point. You you've ridden on a lot of buses these days. Um, how's your journey through pro, pro ball been? What uh, what kind of struggles have you had? What kind of you know fill everybody in on the successes you've had as well? For me, it's been pretty wild. I mean, the it's um 
it was really different than what I'd ever encountered and not just you're playing with other players from different countries and you're playing different states and stadiums. For me, it was like in prior in my career, everything was like was forced on you and you do this, 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 this. And then in pro ball, it is like pull back the reins and you need to figure it out, everything. And so like I'm a smart guy and I thought I could, I thought I knew a lot of that stuff and it turns out I didn't know any of it. Um, so for me, it's kind of been the highs are super high and the lows are pretty low. Um, so I've taken a lot upon my own responsibility and done a lot of things myself the past, this off season really, to kind of make it more of an even keel. The highs, like the lows aren't as low for as long and the high, like you're kind of more, you know, less hills and valleys. And um, so I felt really poised to do that, but it took, it took a while to realize, you know, why that was happening and there was just a humongous growing period where you know you had to figure it out on your own but in a way that's the best way to learn you know it, it might it might really suck and be really hard but if you don't learn it yourself you know if some coach tells you to do something that's great and it might help you for a little bit but if you don't really learn it and understand it you're it's just a band-aid like it's not you're not really learning anything right yeah, and you know what, the, the neat thing, you know, in looking at your, um, you know, at your journey is that, you know, each year, you're, you're moving up each year, you know, you're not, you're not staying in one place, you're not, um, you know, you're, you're getting promoted each year, and I know you, you dealt with some little, you know, few nicks and things like that last year, um, and, and it sounds like everything's ready, I mean, you're, you're really kind of knocking on the door of, of, of the big leagues, and, and you know, getting some, some attention. So, you know, what, what's it going to take for you to make that next step? What's it going to, I know you're prepared for it. And, you know, I talk to, to people about it all the time, not just players, but people in a professional, you know, in, in, in my business side of things of, you know, minimizing those peaks and valleys, you know, making the valleys a little less deep. What's it going to take for you to get to the, to the next level to make it to, uh, to the bigs? Obviously, it's the consistency, and I, one of the steps I took this offseason was, was for the first part of the offseason, I invested a lot in myself physically, and I was working with Piney down here in Virginia Beach. He's the guy that trained Zimmerman and David Wright and Kadire and anybody from down here who played, he trained them all. So I worked with him the whole offseason, which was, which was awesome. I appreciated him. He came out of retirement. He's, he's older. He came out of retirement to work with me to do that. So really honored to have him do that for me, um, which was awesome you know it's just you put when you do the research and you know you're working with someone whose quality could be anything and you invest in yourself I think it's priceless um so that paid huge dividends and I uh it came came to the new year and I was doing some of my throwing and I said you know what man I've aside from Jamie I've never really done the same thing baseball wise for me which is pretty stupid if you think about it um and so I I really I talked to some of my college teammates and I looked into it and I said, you know what, man, I'm going to, I'm going to really do something. And I, uh, I found the Florida baseball ranch and I decided to go there down, uh, Lakeland plant city area of Florida. And I went there for about a month's time total over the course of about six weeks. And, uh, I was staying with Nick Howard. He lives in a kind of the Orlando area and we would commute together. And we actually had Artie Lewicki come down as well, who was a senior when I was a freshman at UVA. So we had three UVA guys there that were going to the ranch at the same time. 
So it was awesome to work with those guys again. But the ranch was was a complete eye-opener, a total game-changer for me. Um, that's why I was so happy and pumped to go into this year. I threw my first bullpen, and it was the best I'd looked in a long time, and I knew people felt that way. And it sucks we are where we are, but um, the ranch changed how I look at pitching and throwing forever. Um, it was truly awesome, and the best way I can ex explain how I was before is the head guy there, Randy, basically said, looking at my motion and stuff like you were you're pretty much like you were getting lucky as far as like the positioning you were just figuring it out and you were pretty darn good at figuring it out and so when that when it was explained to me that way I was like you know what like and it's true I, that's not just like his his analysis like I totally agree with that and when I look back at it and say you know what I was pretty good for just figuring it out I wasn't fantastic but I wasn't horrible like I had some really, really hot stretches and I was just kind of figuring it out and getting lucky might be a little bit strong, but um, I think that being, knowing what I know now after all that stuff, it's like, I've never felt so equipped or knowledgeable about that stuff. So I'm really excited and hopefully we get back to playing soon. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really builds on your confidence too, you know, knowing that there's a little bit more to it than, you know, as he put it, hoping and wishing, you know, not a very good formula for, for success, even though you've done a phenomenal job with it, you know, making those hot streaks turn into a hot month, a hot two months, a hot, you know, hot first half, a hot, half, full hot season, you know, obviously that's where you're trying to go. And, um, you know, it's neat to hear somebody who's had so much success, um, you know, still looking for different things to add to their toolbox you know, different, something here, something there that I know I can put in, you know, to make myself better and more consistent and, and just be an overall better player. Um, you know, that's certainly going to serve you well. Um, I think it's, I think it's important to say this because you could say I've had success at different levels and stuff like that. But if you want to do something like that and you're not open to what they're going to say, it is completely and totally pointless. You are literally just wasting your money and your time and all of it. Like I went down there seeking their help. If I went down there seeking their help and I was just like, you know, tell me A, B, C, and I'm going to do half of A, then what's the point? Like I went down there and I said, aside from you telling me to throw left-handed, I'm probably going to do, you know, it's got to make yeah. it through. Yeah. Uh, I got to, you know, check it a little bit but I was pretty much open to do anything and so um I went in with an open mind and a hungry work ethic and it was a lot of work and some stuff that was really difficult for me at first and a couple of days later and a couple of weeks later I was a completely changed player so I think that when you're going through anything and seeking the help is enough of a step seeking improvement in yourself which everyone should do, but not everyone does. But if you're going to make it that far, you got to be open-minded about it. And, you know, you got to want to better yourself. Absolutely. Jeff, um, does that surprise you at all about Connor? I mean, it's kind of in line with what I know of him and, and you, you know, you had the fortune to coach him. I mean, what do you think? Well, it sounds like to me, I mean, we've already touched on it. I mean, it's the desire, right? And the open, he's open-minded. It sounds like to me, just listen to everything he just said, and correct me if I'm wrong, Connor, but right now you're you invested in yourself physically this offseason. 
you went and really figured out, I'm assuming at the baseball ranch, uh, mechanically where you want to be to be consistently where you want to be. So right now, as you sit right here, how old are you? 25. 25 years old. All the experiences you've had to this point, all the success. But right now, as you sit here on April the 3rd, you're physically in the best shape of your life. Mentally, you're as prepared as you've ever been to play this game. I mean, we've got a – your confidence is there. I mean, we've got a big league career. We're ready to roll. I mean, is mm -hmm. that where we're at? I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, that's how I, I, I don't doubt it for one minute. There's nobody on this call yeah. that doesn't think that you're not going to put together one heck of a big league career. Uh, we've always believed that. But with everything that you just kind of said, I mean, sounds like that's the direction this thing is going. Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel. And when you talk about the mentally ready, like, it's not even close. It's, it's completely not even close how much better off I am. And I think, and this is a, there's a couple of things that, that I could address to this, but I think for a while there, obviously I'm, I'd like to think I'm intelligent. I feel like you guys would say the same thing, but I think there's a misconception with players who are too smart for their own good. And I feel like sometimes I've been labeled that way where I, I've, I've found myself seeking, like, I know I'm not right. I feel myself seeking the feeling of being right. Like I'm, I know something's not right. I'm searching for answers yet coaches or someone might not say anything to you because they don't want you to overthink it. And that's just totally backwards. Cause now I'm stuck, not me, but anybody is stuck thinking, trying to find that feeling when the coaches are at the same time, not saying anything because they don't want you to overthink it. Where if you were just given a little bit of information, you could go a long way with it and it could really help you. Right. So yeah. that's hard. Um, and then I forgot the other point I was going to say, but we'll get it. It'll come back. <laughs> no, it, but, but, but that's a great point because, you know, dealing with – I was the same way growing up. And I, I was – I felt I was very intelligent and I processed things pretty well, I thought. I problem solved. Um, but I had coaches that would do the same thing. And it's hard now, – now getting on the coaching side of things, um, it is a challenge because – you don't want to be the reason why somebody gets into a funk or, or goes down a bad path, you know, and, and, and dealing with a really smart player, feeding them the information, uh, too much information might get the, the paralysis by analysis. And, and you certainly don't want that. So you try to, you know, at least I know some coaches do, and I did it a lot or a lot earlier in my career of coaching was just feed them enough just to kind of keep them moving down the path. I've changed that over the years, um, either from getting smart or seeing that I didn't have an impact like I wanted to, uh, of giving that information, watching them process it and digest it, and then reeling it back a little bit. So go ahead and giving, like, giving you the information you need and then kind of see how that leads, how that kind of piece of clay molds. And it might be, we say, all right, let's take this part back for now and let's just focus on this. You know, for me over the years and, and by screwing it up quite a bit um, and learning and, and being smarter about it, you know, I've found it's now easier for me to talk to those um, smarter yeah. kids because I'll give them that information and just watch them chew it up. I had one, uh, I'm down at 14 and under national level and I have a couple of, um, I had one this past year and we really bonded. Um, one of our shortstops 
really bonded and he's, I mean, he's constantly seeking information. We do blast motion now for our hitters and he's constantly texting me, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, how, what about this? What about this? And it's great. Um, it just takes, I guess, screwing it up a few times to then be able to realize how you want to deal with that, that intelligent player. The neat thing with you is you're kind of an open book with that stuff. Like you can see how quickly you buy in, you know, hearing you, you know, after this, go back and listen to uh, your, your part about the Florida baseball ranch, about how, you know, in how just passionate and like getting into it you are, because you can tell, yeah. you can really read that. And once people get to know you a little bit, you know, those coaches will realize that they need to give you all the information and then let you process it because you do a really good job of that. And the thing I've noticed from, obviously, Alec Bettinger and I are back in the Virginia Beach area and we've done a lot of lessons and pitching clinics and stuff. And it's, first of all, it's cool for me to be in the area and be able to instruct a lot of kids that are coming up doing the same thing I was. So that's super cool for me. But the thing I've noticed when we're giving lessons and I'm giving lessons and stuff, when, when I notice I'm working with a kid who's really, who's smart, who's smarter and is really picking it up, it's so much easier. Like just embrace it. You give them a short, clear, concise message they're off with it and boom. And that should be how people address players that are a little bit more intelligent. Like you just, it, it's easier. It's so much easier. Don't just be scared of it and shy away. And I know we all, I've, you've learned it by messing it up and I've learned it by living it, but you know, yeah. Hopefully you know, that helps and, and <laughs> it's, it's funny. You, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to ask you about that. I know you and Alec are doing a lot of lessons, you know, one-on-ones and, and doing some stuff, um, you know, here locally. I was going to ask you, what kind of impact has that made on you as a player? You know, now that you're doing instructing, how has that helped you, you know, with, with the way that you are on the mound? It's awesome. So when I went to the baseball ranch and, and learned all this stuff about mechanics and motion and the way you move and stuff, um, it's great for me to learn it. But now I feel like I can relearn it and enforce it when I'm watching these 13, 14, 15, you know, we want, and hopefully more high schoolers, um, you know, when I see them pitch. So, right. you know, we started, we started this thing, Virginia Pro Pitching down here, because obviously we're both from Virginia, both went to Virginia. And between us, it's quite the resume and a lot of experience. And um, especially Alec is killing it in pro ball now. So, um, you know, being able to work with them, it's like a, it's like almost reteaching myself when I'm helping. And I know I'm giving them, the best possible instruction now because I thought my experiences beforehand were good, but now after the ranch, it's like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of knowledge. Yeah. You, got a lot, you got a lot to give. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I look at it. Well, and not only that, you know, yeah, you do have a lot to give, but you want to give it. You're passionate about it, and you know, you are a student of the game. You, you, just talking to you, you can tell how much you want. A, to be a great player, but also to learn, um, you know, learn about the game. Tell, let's, let's dive into some personal stuff, man. So tell us about the whole DJ thing. I mean, I, I, I know you as DJ CJ, but I mean, that's just, an, that's just, that's just how I know you. Oh yeah. <laughs> how did this start? How did it start? So crazy story. I, uh, well, I was at college my freshman year and um, one of the older kids on the team knew I knew everybody he was like we called him the mayor because he was like everyone knew him he knew everybody and um he introduced me to some of the guys who worked at the bar that I ended up working at and um it was summer school nobody was there 
so it was, it was pretty empty and um staff included so the next night they the bar the guy texted me and said hey we need an extra bouncer you want to come in we'll pay a, we'll pay a hundred bucks wear a black shirt and i said i'm laying in my bed in summer school i'm like i've got nothing better to do so i took the bus across campus and i i worked that night and i was just watching the back door and um I, djing was like a hobby i'd had in high school that, that's all it was at that point i just i liked the music and stuff and so i'm working the back door and the uh the head DJ comes while well, I didn't notice he's just a guy he tries to walk out the back door and I'm like hey man like sorry no one can come out here and he goes I'm, I'm the DJ it's all right he goes he goes out back and um we ended up talking for like an hour hour and a half he was super cool and his 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 buddy that he was DJing with was was playing and so we talked for an hour and a half and I ended up becoming friends with these guys they were four years older than I was and they ended up kind of taking me under their wing and showing me some of the finer tricks of the trade and helped me polish off some of the skills and they without any resume i basically ended up working my way into a job at the biggest bar at uva which their bar scene is pretty extravagant for colleges yeah. and um for anywhere really and um yeah and it just took off from there like i you know i would jump in with them a little bit and then I, a couple weeks later i had my own first night on my own and then it just you know a weekday and then it just took off and from what was a hobby just a total hobby having fun like an escape from baseball almost turned into like a, a full-fledged business so so in scouting terms in baseball scouting terms you have plus feel to get a party going with your music <laughs> you better have plus plus feel to be a teacher otherwise you stink <laughs> so if Tyler Jones walks in the room, he can take a room with his music, and everyone that's standing around will eventually be dancing. That's exactly right. Better, that's that better that's be all. the result. That's right. <laughs> I'm firing myself. There you go. <laughs> so during the shutdown, man, I know you were poised for a big year. I know you were set up, um, and DJing is gone. You know, from during this time too, can't congregate more than 10, you know, 10 people. What are you doing, man? I know you're, you're, you're giving some one-on-one -on -one lessons here. You, we joked around about you you're wiping off the baseball every time, but, but what, how are you staying busy? How are you trying to, to stay prepared? It's hard. Like I, I have, throughout my whole career, I've found ways to get in whatever I got to get in. Like I was doing, we went on a family trip to Hawaii and I was doing heavy balls in Hawaii thrown into the sofa cushions and like I found a way to get it done anywhere anytime on cruise ships doesn't matter like I'll get my work in but it's hard right now man it really is um but the thing is we're all kind of in the same boat it's just how you deal with it and you try to make the most of it so I've, I've got a fair amount of stuff to work out at home fortunately um you know I got some thankfully some cool new throw cool new throwing tools from the ranch that I can use kind of by my I don't necessarily need a throwing partner um but it's hard. I'm just trying to stay busy. I'm trying. I'm hoping that people follow instructions and follow the rules, and this thing goes away pretty quickly. That's really what I'm hoping for. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to keep myself safe, keep my family safe, and hopefully everyone just stay home. And the sooner we all stay home, the sooner this thing's over with, and the sooner life can get back to normal. If not, we could be like this for a while. So absolutely, absolutely. Um, I noticed a trend on Facebook lives. I don't know. That's for older people, I guess. Um, but I noticed a lot of DJs going on uh, on social media and putting out shows. Is that in the is that in the works at all? 
it's not not in the works. If the people want it, <laughs> then I'll make it happen. But it's we all might about, be able to just, Rob, we might be able to facilitate this. That's exactly right. I you was gotta thinking keep the people, we, you got to keep them waiting, and then maybe we <laughs> can make it happen. So if this is what people you want, what? then I'll, I can I can get it ready. <laughs> we'll do that if Jeff and I can be the bouncers. Yeah. <laughs> The bouncers for a uh, gathering of less than ten—that's a pretty easy that's, gig. Well, for, for your for your virtual show, we'll just be okay. we'll just be the guys at the door making sure uh, you can you can patrol the comment section and make sure see, you know. There you go. Now you're thinking. Or maybe yeah, we, we might a, maybe we could do a Zoom party and Connor can DJ. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> There's no oh. telling where we're going to be in a few weeks, guys. That's the first. Yeah. All options. I know, right. All right. So I'll give you two seconds. I guess two seconds. Talk about your passion in other sports. Tell me about the teams behind you. Tell me what you do in the offseason. Because I see your social media. I see you going to all these places. But let everybody know who you like and who you love to follow. I mean, I guess right there, the, the Redskins and Sixers, people talk about my sports taste being – I grew up a Red Sox fan. People talk about my sports taste being totally sporadic. I just adapted my dad's sports likes. He grew up in a military family and moved around a lot. So um, he kind of had the freedom to pick who he wanted to like since he was moving around. Um, but, yeah, the Sixers are my favorite. The Sixers and Redskins. Uh, to this day, I've been to Redskins playoff games and everything. The Sixers. Sixers have they had a playoff game lately? Oh, yeah. Um, they actually did. Come on. Wow. They did. I went to Sunday Night Football in a wild card game. Yeah. yeah. That's that's right. uh, I'm pretty good friends with Morgan Moses. That's his signed jersey right up there. It's pretty sweet. Nice. Nice. Um, UVA guy, thankfully, but uh, no, the Sixers home opener two or three years ago was Kyrie's second game as a Celtic. Celtics had Sixers home opener, still the best sporting event I've ever been to. And live sports are my thing. Like some people like going to concerts, and those are great. No, I don't dislike concerts, but I spend my off seasons trying to go to live sporting events. That's like what I like to do. Um, and the atmosphere in Philadelphia is just electric. It is unbelievable and I hate the Eagles I cannot I just cannot stand the Eagles but the Sixers they're my ride or die so people yeah. are passionate awesome. about their sports in Philadelphia it's it's scary like we that game that opening night game we left my aunt and I she lives pretty close to Philly and she's a Sixers fan so we go to the games together and uh, we were leaving and it was a, a I think it was a Saturday night and that Monday night was Redskins at Eagles Monday Night Football. And those, if you've never been to Philly, the baseball, football, and basketball arenas are all right next to each other. And so we're walking out, and the fans are chanting, like, you know, screw the Redskins, let's go Eagles, and walking out of the Sixers game. Oh, wow. And so I was like, I tell you what, I told my aunt, I said, I'd feel pretty confident wearing a Redskins jersey anywhere. I said, you couldn't, pay me, enough to, you couldn't pay me enough to put one on right now. I mean, Ooh. no way. Yeah. No way. They would have strung you up. Yeah. We, would, we wouldn't have you. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so that's your off-season. Now, I guess I, I guess some, some parting words. Tell us, uh, the kids that have been watching this, the guys that even – so now we have youth teams, at, at which you may be aware. You know, we have some in the 7 by 7 Canes teams. Um, young guys all the way down to 9U, you know, and, and then your, your, your high school-level kids. You know, you've been through this. You've been successful. You're you're knocking on the door of the major leagues, and we fully expect you, as Jeff said, to have a nice, long, prosperous career. What kind of advice would you give to youth players today? 
Um, you know, the, I know you give a lot of great advice to the guys that you're doing lessons with, but to our Canes kids that are out there watching, um, and maybe even some of the parents, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of advice would you give? I mean, the advice is to the parents and the, just as much the parents as it is the players, because oftentimes the kids, depending on how young they are, don't even know it's what's the, in the in their best interest. It's really up to the parents. Fortunately enough, I had parents that were well-informed. They might not be baseball people, but they were well-informed on it. And thankfully they instilled some of that in me, but really two main things. And I can, I want to say them both so I don't forget them and then I can expand on it. Have fun and your coach can't want it more. You got to want it. Your coach can't want it more than you do. And so with have fun, obviously things have gotten a lot more serious with baseball and the recruiting process and all that stuff. Even since I was playing, I thought like I recruited early and it was hardcore when I was going, but it seems like it's gotten even more so that way now. Um, have fun. Play other sports as long as you can. You don't need to be baseball only. You don't need to be pitcher only at 10. Like, that, when I hear stuff like that, it's just ridiculous. A huge thing about baseball and pitching is being athletic. Go play basketball. Go play other sports. You know, go do whatever you can. Have fun with it. It's, there's so many things, like where baseball is a job now. I still try to have fun with it, but it's a job. Have fun as long as you can because at some point it's going to get less and less fun. Um, hopefully it never, but – it's, it's serious, and some people can get caught up in that, especially the parents. You can't make it, like, so serious for your kids because you're just going to suck the fun right out of it for them, and they probably won't want to play baseball anymore. The second thing is um, you've got to want it. Like, if, if, if Coach Petty wants you to be better than you want to be, it's never going to work. It's just – it's never going to work. You might be super talented, but if you guys want Jimmy to be better than Jimmy wants to be, it's going to be super short-lived. And, and, and I feel like, you know, parents might pressure their kid into doing playing longer or, or being hard on him, like be supportive, you know, be constructive. There's so many negatives in baseball. You don't need to be tearing Why'd you go over three after the game when you're eating dinner back home? Like, right. It's, there, there's just, there's no yeah. point. It's just, it's just negativity and there's too much negativity in baseball as a game. So the kid's got to want it. If he wants it, and help him chase his desires and dreams. But if you want him to be the next Derek Jeter and he would rather play basketball, let him play basketball <laughs> because it's never going to work in baseball if he doesn't want it. So, no doubt. You know, Connor, we, we, we started this and we talked about it um, last, this past winter um, because we wanted to help our kids. We wanted to, um, we wanted to get more knowledge to them, you know, during the shutdown you know, that became even more valuable or has become more valuable. And to have people like you come on and share not only your journey, but looking back at it, you know, reflecting on where you've been. And I know you do that a lot because you, your hometown uh, where you grew up really matters to you. Um, I think that having you on this is going to make a lot of kids better. Um, we've known what a great person you are. What a great, uh, you know, what a, what just a great player you are as well. Um, but to to give everybody an insight to you of, of of how you go about your business and 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 how you approach life is going to make a ton of people better. And and I know you've never been about this, but you're making a lot more fans. You're you're getting a lot of people on the Connor Connor Jones train 
that may not have known who you were before because they may be outside the area. But you have, I don't, I don't know that you have other than your family and, and probably your, your girlfriend, two people that are rooting for you more uh, than Jeff and I. Um, we cannot wait to, for you to, to bust down the door of the big leagues and make your debut and, and uh, stay up there for a long career. Man, it's been an absolute pleasure today to, to have you on. You know, I know you do some great things here locally in the area, and I, I can tell you it does not go unnoticed from, from us here. Um, but if there's anything we can ever do to help you get to where you need to go, man, you can call on me or Coach Petty at any time. Uh, we will be there for you day or night. Um, you epitomize family. You epitomize all the values that we want our players to have. And just want to thank you so much for coming on today. No, you guys have always been great to me. I appreciate you guys having me on. And, you know, I, I hold you guys pretty close to the inner circle. So can't thank you guys enough, Jeff and Rob. You know, you guys are awesome. So hopefully uh, the Canes cast continues to blow up. And I, uh, I appreciate what you guys have done for me uh, throughout my whole career. And, you know, can't uh, it's just been fun being able to sit here and talk to you guys about all of it. It's been awesome. <laughs> I'll enjoy it every minute. Yeah. Hey, real, real quick, last thing. Um, if kids want to come to Virginia Pro Pitching, how do they reach out to you and Alec? Uh, we have a Facebook page now, VA Pro Pitching. Um, that's also our email account, uh, VAProPitching at gmail.com. But, uh, yeah, our Facebook page, probably you can see some okay. of our stuff there and find our email there and, you know. I'll make sure to put it in the show notes, and then that way everybody knows how to reach you guys because Definitely. I would not would not recommend any two guys more than you. You're both awesome. Not only are you you're great pitchers, but great people. Thanks so much. Um, reach out to us. We can do anything for you, buddy. But uh, hopefully you'll stay sane and safe. Wash your hands. We're trying. Um, <laughs> We're trying, man. Get your workouts in, and yeah. um, hopefully baseball resumes soon, and we'll see you uh, in a Cardinals uniform before we know it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us. Big shout out to Connor Jones for joining us. Why don't you head over to all of your social media channels and give him a follow at Connor Jones 33. If you enjoyed this episode, we ask that you like, comment, subscribe, review, and share. Give us a follow on social media at Canecast Show. That's all social channels. You can reach out to me personally on all social channels at Rob Younce, or you can email me directly at robyounce at gmail.com. I welcome your feedback as we look for ways to improve this show every single time. Do me a favor, stay safe, wash your hands, and don't forget that 2-0 change-ups create trust issues.